0: You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.
1: And welcome to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community. I am Ben Wolf from Wolf's Edge Consulting. Uh, we're going to learn from our guests today how to tell whether you need an IT consultant or a fractional CIO. That is our topic for today. What we're going to learn from an expert in both. Uh, remind everybody to pause this right now. Subscribe wherever it is that you are watching or listening to this—Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, whatever it happens to be—and like or leave a review if it lets you. And uh, make the content here and the knowledge that we are sharing for our business owners or leaders like yourself more accessible to other people. Uh, and with that, I want to get into introducing our guest today. He is the VP Information Systems and a data scientist, and a data scientist, uh, at, and. Um, he does that as an IT and process consultant and fractional CIO with CAS Worldwide, uh, where he says that they specialize in marrying business process with technology. So with that, I give you Dan Stieglitz, welcome Dan.
0: Thank you, Ben, thank you for having me. Um, it's a, a pleasure and uh, I really do enjoy speaking on the topic. So um, yes, you, you introduced me well. Um, what I, I do is I help companies review their processes, marry those processes to um, to help them become more efficient and effective within um, their business, and then we utilize technology as a tool uh, to help them do those processes better, Um, whether it's an ERP selection they need, um, whether it's a CRM for sales and and marketing, um, or any other productivity tools. Uh, we do the analysis and allow
1: them to report. Well, let's get a little context then before we get into like our main question today uh, that you know people are going to be looking for, which is just give us a little context. Actually, before you even give a little context, I always ask people to give like a two-minute background, just kind of how you got to be doing what you're doing now. Give us a little context for the knowledge that you're about to share. And before you even say that, I'll just I'll just talk that. But after we already got got introduced to each other recently and started talking again we realized that actually uh, I was at a company where we, you know, where we used you and you know, I had many, many meetings with you a while ago. We didn't quite realize that instantaneously. And so it was just funny after we're already talking again to, uh, you to recognize that I had already had a good experience working with you. So Thank you. an additional connection point
0: there. Great. Sure. Um, so basically, uh, you know, it goes way back how, how I, uh, I got to where I am. Um, back in college, um, I, uh, I went for business, as most um, college students do, getting into business. At the time, computers were not; they, we were still into the mainframes. PCs were new. I don't want to give a date because that'll age me. Um, but you already remember, give a,
1: a, you already give enough incriminating information. As, that's
0: already. right. Um, I, I remember being in one of my uh, early computer classes, and um, the, the instructor talked about um, different types of programs and how companies utilize and develop their programs. And um, big companies, he talked about at the time, J.C. JCPenney and Bloomingdale's, and they were always concerned at the time that if a programmer went from one to the other, they would be, in his words, stealing the technology uh, uh-huh. or, you know, that they were using. And, that and every company had their own proprietary language. software. They, they did their own programming at the time. And, um, you know, they built their own processes internally, um, which we still do. We'll talk about that. Um, but it got me thinking. And I remember I went to Oxford university. Uh, I went to my, instructor. I went
1: to for law school.
0: Oh, very good. Um, <laughs> uh, my son just graduated too. So we family, um, I went to my uh, to the career advisor and I said, I want to get into something related to computers and I'm paraphrasing security, way back when. Um, he told me the only thing he could think of was maybe you got to go and get a law degree. Um, so I took the LSATs, realized law was not for me. Um, LSATs, have in- no-
1: LSATs, incidentally, have <laughs> nothing to do with, with law. I mean, I could tell you having gone
0: go on that route and become a
1: corporate restructuring and bankruptcy attorney for a few years is, also that's a very little to do with uh,
0: success in either law school or law practice. I'm sure, you know, that's right. Just like the SATs um, don't have a a good indicator of how you're gonna do in college. Um, My father always told me become a CPA, go into business. You can do whatever you want, which I kind of valued and did, decided not to go the LSAT law route Uh, Another suggestion was to join the FBI and maybe you can get in that way. Decided not to go that way. And then um, went on to be a CPA, a controller, a CFO at companies. And always realized that I wanted to help companies from the inside out, um, but I couldn't do it with day-to-day operations. Um, So back in um, 99, 2000, right around the Y2K craze, um, I joined an accounting firm And we uh, launched some accounting software and it was good going into um, companies that were using accounting firm uh, to do their accounting software was a great path. Worked for eight years until Sarbanes-Oxley's came out and said, hmm, we don't know if accounting firms should be doing that. Um, At that time, I kind of went on my own um, because there was no solution at the accounting firm. They were concerned that they wouldn't be able to give me business. So I'd have to make all the business on my own, which was fine as I was doing it already through their accounts. But when I bring an account from the outside and I go, why are you using an accounting firm uh, to to look the other account would come in and say, why would you use an accounting firm to come in and look at your technology? Um, We're an accounting firm. We don't want you to use them. We're concerned. That's when I realized I had to be on my own. So I had to kind of uh, pull away from the accounting firm and, and branch out on my own if I was gonna do this and not be um, tied down to uh, you know, an accounting firm and the competitiveness between accounting firms. Uh-huh. So I, I kind of been, uh, for the last uh, 12 years, been on my own, um, working with accountants, working with uh, IT people, trying to help the, uh, my clients build better processes, build technology solutions. Um, I've always pursued the technology side. I became Microsoft certified, uh, a Microsoft certified engineer. I became a CITP as with the AICPA, which is a certified information technology professional. Under my CPA license, I was the seventy-fifth in the country to gain that, and wow. still have that, uh, that distinguished uh, credentials. And that helps me um, look at things from both a business side and a technology side. I mean, speaking of which, what,
1: what, so if you could break it down here, like what, you know, we talk about IT consulting and that's what a lot of what you're talking about sounds like, but what is it like, if you just give us a broad overview here, what, what do you need an IT consultant for versus what is a fractional CIO, do a fractional chief information officer, what's the difference between them?
0: Sure, so many times, IT consultants, um, they come with networking companies, managed service providers, who are going to provide many different types of solutions, but they're gonna provide solutions to, um, to products that they already have within their wheelbarrow. Uh-huh. So maybe they're a Microsoft house, so they'll bring in Microsoft products, but they'll still support some Apple. Uh, maybe if they are working with ERP, um, they're a net suite ERP reseller. So they're going to try and bring that to you. Where a fractional CIO form is going to work with you uh, independently um, and work with your leadership team uh, to build and develop strategies on how to move forward.
1: Okay. And, and that really gets okay. would you Would you call, your, maybe I used the wrong term, but would you call yourself that first half of the equation oh. IT consultant or... For the for the transactional part of what you do, would you call
0: it something else? Um, for that, so they are, you know, they're two different things. So I, I am, I would not be more like the fractional CIO than the typical IT consultant. Uh huh. So the IT consultant usually focuses more on that network infrastructure um, and, and how that works, and then bringing tools into the environment um, to help you grow your you know, your, your processes and build your processes where the CIO now, many times an IT consultant will um, include what they call virtual CIO services. They'll bring in uh, their project manager, their lead account supervisor to uh, provide similar services to a fractional CIO. But again, it's more towards what they have in their wheelbarrow of products where a fractional CIO has, you know, is going to reach out to more than one IT consultant to bring in resources and develop a solution for you. That's how uh, I look at the difference.
1: Okay. And is I mean, so would you say, well, put it this way. what When, when do people need one versus the other?
0: Yeah, so... Um, a a, it really depends upon the stage company you're in right so and and what you do right so many companies every company is dependent upon technology certain companies are dependent on technology uh simply as a tool set um to provide communication email to provide storage document management and maybe to provide some productivity tools like an erp um but technology Uh, And data doesn't drive their business Mm -hmm. um, as much as the process of what they do may drive their business, like a a law firm. Law firms typically don't need a CIO unless they're specifically related to some process. Um, You know, if they're just doing simple real estate transactions, they're not going to need a CIO, but they will need an IT consultant if they don't have an internal IT department. Right. in here and manage their infrastructure, manage the tool sets, software products that they have. And somebody with knowledge in the legal industry is a great help. Too. Okay.
1: So if, if we had to like boil this down, you would say that a fractional CIO or a full-time CIO, depending on the, obviously the size or scale of what people need. But CIO is needed when people's, the main, the main thrust of their entire business is is built on technology. I mean, it's a big part of the actual business itself. Whereas, you know, it might need IT consultants or MSPs or or the like, if people are more just, uh, okay, they, like everybody else, use some technology as part of their business, but it's not the foundation of their business.
0: Correct. Is that fair? That is fair, but the hardest part is determining when you are no longer a, uh, a, a simple widget company selling product, and now IT and data and mining that data is just as important to sourcing the data, sourcing the product that you may sell, right? Uh-huh. So I have an electronics distributor, very a large uh, electronics distributor, all e-commerce, um, has a, a vast range, over a thousand different products on his website, uh, maybe, 10,000 products on his website, to Okay. And um, a a football side warehouse of products. Typically, he had some stores, um, some some brick and mortar, Um, still has one, which is in in Brooklyn and just used uh, because it's the original storefront. Um, But his business, which is selling product, has changed to be more dependent on technology and how we can use technology to bring, to, to compete with the Amazons and the Best Buys of the world, right? then the product and the source and the product he does. Though it's very important that he buy product in bulk and quantity, it's also important he doesn't hold on to that uh, those components uh, or those products for too long and age out his inventory and that he's using the technology to make sure when somebody does a search, they're getting the right lookup and they're going to the right place which is what he wants
1: so so which one is right for him
0: i mean why so he would he would need a, a cio as well as a technology group but he brought in uh, a cio to actually manage the data and how the data that is full-time
1: used. or fractional
0: he is a full-time cio okay at first he had uh i did work for him in both process and technology to help him uh grow that um and then he, he came to a size you know he's He's probably about $150 million now in annual revenues. And he's up to a size where he he needs full-time CIO. Um, Some of the good things they've been able to do um, is they've been able to uh, look at reviews as they come in from their customers. When there's a bad review, quickly be on top of it. That's because they're using artificial intelligence Uh in order to, to weed out the good and the bad. That's something an IT consultant may not be able to get you into but a CIO is really right. looking at the data. Somebody's
1: got to be a lot more embedded in things on an ongoing basis, and on the leadership to to get you know to really be able to take you where you need to go. It's just too important. Correct. For, for those kind of companies.
0: Absolutely.
1: Now, obviously, with COVID, a lot of things have changed. You know, different challenges have come up. I know you put together a, a thought leaders group, particularly related to. Uh, related to problems that have come up or, or, or changes that need to be made, adaptations because of COVID and lockdowns and whatnot. What, what would you say, I, I guess, just from like an IT leadership perspective that you're coming from, what, what are some of the biggest one or two like takeaways that, you know, that, that, that people could benefit from related to recent developments obviously in 2020 and, and everything related to COVID?
0: Sure. Well, the, the group I created was called the Thought Leaders and we're still around and we hold monthly seminars on topics that relate to how do we manage in a COVID and a pandemic environment. Um, and, and we've had such uh, informational series, they're just you know networking talks with uh, a panel of four speakers that come in. Uh, we've done HR, we've done supply chain, uh, we've so if, if you had to break
1: it down, though, like to the biggest one
0: or two takeaways, what would you say? Sure. The best two things uh, I, I see that we always come back to is plan for the unexpected. So um, y- many times we have plan A, maybe plan B. Uh, in, in a time of COVID, you got to have plan C, D all the way through Z. And you have to look at it and say, well, what is what should be i should be worried about not what can i be just complacent about Uh, we moved everybody to home they could connect well what's next all right we always talk about which is my second well
1: what happens if there's a security thing in their house or what happens if i if i'm the e-commerce company and there's an issue with my
0: supply do i have an alternate source of getting this in that product I, i don't yeah i mean yeah so what we have we have coined the phrase, it's not the next normal because everybody else always said, sorry, it's not the new normal, it's the next normal. Uh-huh. We always say <laughs> it's, it's the it's next gonna, It's not just one new normal. It's, right, it's, it's gonna, gonna be changing. the next normal that's gonna oh, yeah, change. Yeah, yeah. And, and the big thing is uh, a lot of people this um, work from home. You know, if you look at the, the surveys, you talk to people, everybody goes, it's great. Uh, my employees like working from home, management, Not so much, but, you know, I got to keep my employees happy. I got to get them back to the office. And I personally feel work from home is kind of a flash in the pan. You know, it's great for right now. Uh, What a lot of people don't realize, uh, there is a lot of productivity lost. And in places you probably wouldn't think. Uh, The biggest place is the water cooler. Everybody goes to the water cooler when we're in office and chit chats and finds out things they didn't know and gets a different perspective on things. That doesn't happen when I work from home. I have a a follow-up question after this, yeah. So uh, I feel that though you know, it's gonna be the the next normal is still gonna be work from home and maybe even the next normal after that. Uh, I believe that uh, there will be some large companies, mainly in technology. Uh, Facebook and Google have bought a lot of space in New York City in order to bring people back to work. So they're preparing for it, um, you know, and as soon as they start doing it, Amazon starts doing it, it's gonna be a trickle down. I know Amper Eisner, which is a large accounting firm, I think they call it Eisner now, just opened up a city office. They just moved with a post COVID. Yeah, they just moved this week um, to a COVID compliant, as they call it, workspace. Right. So everybody can be separated a little bit. Everybody can feel comfortable but they still want the people back in the office.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you a follow-up question on that. Cause it, it's interesting that you say that cause I've talked to other people who've given the exact opposite sure. determination and specifically using the water cooler terminology. And they talk about the increased productivity of people working remotely because of the lack of a water cooler. <laughs> Meaning there's all this like conversation or people go around desk to desk and if people are separated essentially and they're at home, then they're just a lot more productive. Obviously this works primarily in knowledge-based businesses which are also like the examples that you've been giving. Um, and I wonder what do you think, You know, and a lot of companies have been getting much more productive and have continued throughout the entire COVID to be a lot more productive than they were before when they were physically together. So what do you attribute that to? Like this dichotomy between different experiences for different kinds of organizations?
0: I I believe what, what, two things I believe. I think some of it is uh, uh, I've got my rose colored glasses on and I'm thinking I'm being productive. What I'm really seeing, which is only going to show itself nine months down the road. My winners are winning and my losers are losing. And my winners are outshining my lose in productivity. And they're out there, you know, showing everybody that they can work. But my entire workforce is not working productively. And well, wouldn't
1: you know that if you have data, wouldn't you know that on a person
0: by person basis? And they wouldn't be covered up by the high producers. Um, that's why I say it takes some time. You know, in the beginning, it's easy for it to be covered up. It's easy not to, to look at that. Um, but as you go through uh, a whole cycle of it, um, people are getting used to developing their own schedules, not being on the same schedule with everybody else. And eventually we're gonna clash because of that. You know, when you came to the office from nine to six, you were in the office, you were captive. All right. We had a you you were supposed to build a work-home balance. There is no work-home balance now. We're telling you you got to build a home home balance and incorporate work into that. And I I just don't understand how that'll work in an uh, environment where we have many different generations. Yeah, you know, some of the newer generation, you know, the, the millennials and the 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 newer coming Gen out Z. of college, Gen Z, <laughs> they may like that because they're seeing it remote learning right, right now. But even if you look at the colleges and you talk to them. Most of them don't like the remote learning. They feel that socialization thing has fallen apart. So they're going to come in and go, I want to go to an office.
1: Right. Well, right. And, you you know, you could definitely say that about productivity too. I mean, it's, yes, you know, even if it would be more productive, there's a certain, there's a certain lost element of that human connection between people at an organization, you know, uh, hearing now about these, like, you know, people had these, uh, holiday parties that are remote,
0: and it's just not the same, you know? Not. And, uh... and transactional work, you know, fortunately, the accountants, the guys in the back office, they can certainly work from home a lot more than the sales, the marketing, the creative people. Um, but creativity needs the spark of having people together. I'm working with a company right now, a textiles company, um, and uh, they've had to change um, their hundred years old, sold textiles to um, mom and pop, brick and mortars. They still do that and still expect to do that. But the way they present their their production, their their designs is now all um, through the web, right? Right. Through digital sources. When I talk to the marketing and digital team, um, there is a bunch of them that say, I wanna get back in the office. I need no. help working. And there are others, the graphic designers who say, Leave me alone. I'd rather be home. And it's like, right. Yeah, but if you're not there and you're not feeling the pressure, you're designing on your own and you're not getting our flavor. Right. And that's where I feel that. That's why I say a cyclical nine months, you're going to start to see people go, Well, I'm home now. I can do it my way, not the company way. Right. And I think you get that a lot now where people, uh, managers will call on even accounting firms. I know they'll call on their workers and the worker will be, Oh, wait, somebody's just measuring the blinds. Can I call you back in five minutes? Well, no, because I'm ready now. Right. Five minutes is maybe nothing to you, but now I'm going to go on to something else.
1: Right. And And, and it might not be, it might not be so extreme. You know, it, it could be one of these things that People go back to you know kind of three days remote, two days two days in person, or vice versa, and that way you still save on some office space and rotate some people through, but you have both elements. I don't know, you know, could be something in between. I agree, but let me let me ask you one other thing before we run out of time, which is uh, one thing that is often not understood, which is people throw around all these different terminologies, CIO, Chief Information Officer, CTO, Chief Technology Officer, CISO, CISO, Chief Information and Security Officer. So like what, what is the dividing line between each of these three things so that people can understand which one they may or may not need?
0: Sure. So, and again, um, depending on the size of the company, you may have one that does it all. Um, but as you grow and as your your needs on technology grow, that's when you decide Um, which type of uh, C-level officer or officers you'll need in your group. The CTO, the technology officer, who deals a lot with information and data, principally deals with infrastructure, the network, hardware, uh, the routing, the backup, the wireless. And they're making sure that everybody who touches a computer can get on and use it. they're looking at both the physical infrastructure, what I could touch and feel, and um, some of the virtual infrastructure, a cloud-based system. How do, how do people gain access to a cloud-based system? Um, and just a quick um, lesson on clouds, people a lot of times don't realize, cloud have three different types of, of uh, cloud environments. You've got your uh, remote hosting, which is your private cloud. you got your, uh, public cloud, which is like a Salesforce.com, everybody goes on to the same platform, Mm -hmm. and then you get a hybrid, a little bit of both. And companies mostly work in a hybrid. Um, And companies have been able to do this work from home because they've been in a hybrid situation. A, um, A chief technology officer also gets involved in some of the security, right? The user rights, the roles and security around the network, the patching and how that works. Um, Business continuity to make sure that if one of my systems go down, how long could it be down before I get up? And um, incident response, which is really important. How how do we respond to an incident? How do we get everybody up and running? Um, A lot of times uh, when I was doing business continuity and disaster recovery plans, which I do for clients, My great, my funniest was this law firm. And he goes, as long as I have my BlackBerry, I'm dating myself, I'm fine. I go, yeah, but what if I can't get the information to your BlackBerry? He goes, well, if you can't get me email, that's bad. I go, yeah, so your BlackBerry means nothing. Your email means everything. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I never thought of that. So that's where a chief technology officer goes. A chief information officer is going to look at how do I use the information within the company and many times, if they're uh, a good chief information officer, they're gonna look at how strategic information is, how information is used strategically throughout the company. How do we, how do we um, monetize the use of information? So it, it flows and it's used once, it's, it's entered once and used many times, right? That's what we want. We want one single source of the truth. And that's what they would be responsible to work on. And then they would look at that and say, this is where the monetizing comes. How can we make better use of that data? How can that data be proactively telling us what's next? And that's where a chief information officer would come in. Um, Again, many times the CTO and the CIO were the same hat, and that's fine. They Mm -hmm. both should, if you look at the reporting structure, they should report to the CEO Sometimes the CFO, um, it's been traditionally the CFO. The problem with the CFO is up until a few years ago, CFOs really weren't, uh, they were given technology, but they weren't um, totally immersed in what technology could do for them. I think Mm as we've grown, um, the CFO has made great strides in understanding how technology helps run the company. So being uh, a reporting structure to a CFO or CEO uh, of both of them is not a problem. The last thing is a CSO, mm-hmm. and I look at them as a little different. Chief Security Officer, a C- Chief Information Security Officer. They're looking to make sure that people that the data that we are collecting and how we use the data is within compliance and within security, right? So uh, the security is cyber security. Are we? Are we? Uh, Are we um, going to be up for corporate espionage? Who would want this data? Where would they use it? And how can I make sure that we have the policies and procedures in place? Because we know many times, it's not the computers that are giving out the information. It's the people that are giving out the information. So a CISO is going to go and say, I'm going to train you on what to look for and how to work without... Giving away the keys. And who, they, the key. and who are they reporting to, like the CIO or a CFO? Like where are they reporting? So uh, many times yeah, traditionally the C- CISO would report to the CIO or CTO. Uh, there have been in recent years um, some changing dichotomy on that. And they say a CSO should really report to the CEO separate than the technology department and technology area. And the reason for that is um, if they're trying to keep the technology and the information compliant and secure, and the person they report to says, I don't care that you have to do X, Y, and Z. This is, this is what I need to reach my compliance or my accountability. I have to install this. Thing. And if the CISO says, no, it doesn't work under my environment, then we want to make sure that they are not you know, being reviewed, um, being have to answer to their boss when they disagree with them, and that's why a separation has been a, a growing recommendation, at least on my side. Right. Um, I did so a the
1: CISO, uh, or the CSO is reporting to the CEO, and right. and I guess the CIO and and him are able to kind of have that argument out and let the you know the CEO.
0: You know, A lot of times, what we do the is the we, decision maker not be the one who reviews them. Right. We create what's called IT steering committees. And IT steering committee should include all of them, as well as other high level, departmental, uh, business oriented departments um, into it. So they can all share on that information and all discuss how that's going to be proactive and help them within their company.
1: Right. No, I appreciate that, and you know, and I appreciate the, the 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 better clarity in terms of you know looking to IT consultants and, and and experts, process consultants when it comes to you know finding the right products and knowing how to implement them or CIOs, a fractional or full time if the if it's more about how you use the technology on a, on a long term basis and less transactional, uh you know obviously the differences CIO CTO CISO, where those each fit in obviously IT developments that have happened with COVID and where you see that going, which is very interesting. Uh, and, I, you know, I'm glad we we're able to have a little bit of a debate there. That was quite interesting. Yes. And uh, yeah, just appreciate everything you've been able to,
0: to share. Great. I appreciate you having me. Um, you know, I'm, uh, you know I'm, I'm very passionate about the, the subject and helping companies use technology as a tool to help them get to the, the next level. I have a lot of clients who just say, can you just select the right ERP for me? And um, what they want me to do is say, I'm in the textile industry, I'm in the food and beverage industry, tell me the two or three tops that work. And it's like, I could throw any ERP system in and I could stop your production overnight. What you really need to do is take a holistic view, which is what I do in my practice of all the business processes you do and manage the gap between people, process and technology.
1: That marriage that you spoke about before. Yes. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. I know people are going to get a lot of value from this and, uh, and I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. And we'll see everybody else on the other side. Thanks.
0: You're listening to win win an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.